The following podcast is sponsored by Structure Tech. It is springtime in Minnesota, and we're going to just have a grab bag discussion of a few different topics today. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. As always, your three-legged stool coming to you from the Northland. Boom. Ruben's making all kinds of hand gestures, and nobody can see anything that he's doing. <laughs> Welcome to today's episode. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to just have a grab bag discussion of a few different topics today. One thing that popped into mind recently, Tess and I were discussing offline about one of our newer inspectors on the team is building a house right now. And they're moving to use a different product than is typically used in construction in our area, at least, SIP panels. And they're finding that the SIP panel pricing is becoming more competitive with just stick built homes. What's a SIP panel, Bill? Well, technically, that's called a structurally insulated panel, which is a sandwich of OSB and polystyrene. Is that the name of the insulation that's in between the OSB panels? Is it polystyrene? Technically, I don't don't know, but it's like a rigid, rigid foam insulation. Yeah, I think polystyrene has a pretty low R value. That's the stuff that you make coolers out of and it falls apart. Those little bubbles is what it's made out of. Those little... The little uh, balls? Really? The little balls are what it's all pressed together and made out of that. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. I assumed it was a heavier type of foam like XPS or I don't even know. I don't know. We would need to do some more research. At any rate, one of our inspectors has decided to use this material as their exterior walls. So just to give you a little background, in the past, this was a product that somebody who was looking to build a passive house might use. And Tessa, can you explain what a passive house, if anybody is wondering what that means? I'll give it my best shot. And there's other people that are going to be way more qualified to speak to this than I am. But passive house is like a, a standard that the Germans developed passive house which is like a a house that is so energy efficient that it's very airtight, very well insulated, triple pane windows, that the cost of utilities is nothing. And a lot of times these houses will actually create more energy than they use. And you can sell that energy back to the grid. So there's a lot of really intense standards if you're going to build technically a passive house to meet those standards and to use someone who's like certified in that process to help design and build a house like that. So you're using less energy, way less energy than normal yeah, because you're yep. just that really energy efficient. efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you know anything about the certification when it comes to getting a passive certification? Is where do you go you to know, get that? Like the energy? That's a good question, Bill. I I don't know. There are a few architects in the Twin Cities area that I think do have that passive house certification. But I mean, it, it's a pretty rigorous process to have a house that is certified passive house. And I wish I could speak more to like what those steps were to get that certification. But I I don't know. Well, no problem. We're not not full of answers today. We're more full of questions. And sometimes that leads to better conversation because God knows I don't have the answers to anything. Okay. So Eric dives into the SIP conversation and he's putting up these walls now. Are they actually in the construction process? I don't think so. 
but he was just saying how the cost of materials, specifically like two by sixes and everything has gone up so much that he had looked at building like a, a double wall type house to get it super insulated. But the cost of doing that with lumber now would be more expensive than just using SIP panels to build the walls. Oh, it's insane what lumber prices are at. I was at the store buying two by fours the other day. And in my mind, a two by four costs about two bucks right in there, maybe a dollar 96, maybe 225, you know, somewhere in the $2 range. I just looked it up today. So I got somewhat accurate numbers for this podcast. So I'm not just making something up listed online on homedepot.com $7 and 98 cents for a two by four an eight foot two by four. You guys. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Yes. Everybody who's listened to any of the podcasts, they know I'm in the middle of a building project up North. We're doing a cabin on a lake way up North and we're beginning the, the actual stages of building, right? So the contractor called me this week and he wanted to come out, bring out the, the excavator and pull back some dirt because there's a bedrock base that we're going to be building on a hill. So it's like a 45 degree hill. I'm using round numbers here. It's on a hill. And then they're going to have to <laughs> cope the forms into the, you know, use wood and cope along the jaggedy bedrock and try to make flat surfaces support concrete. So um. kind of a fun little project. Anyway, he gave me the number to the lumberyard that where he sources his material from. And I wanted to call the lumberyard and just get some idea about the types of windows we were looking at, what kind of samples they had in there, which led to a discussion about timing on some of these mm-hmm. products. Because to my surprise, he said, if we order trusses tomorrow or yesterday, mm-hmm. I was on the phone with him yesterday, not tomorrow. If we ordered the trusses when I made the phone call, he said mid-July. And that's from the era of this podcast, that's a solid three months. Wow. Um, into the future, right? <laughs> and I was like, wow. He said, windows are 10 weeks out. He said, pine boards, because I mentioned to him that we we're going to finish the inside with pine boards. And he just kind of laughed. He said, yeah, well, pine boards are insane right now. I started asking myself, why is this so? I mean, there's still trees, there's still activity, there's a lot going on out there. So I did a little research, started peeling back the layers of this onion. And like all good things, it's never clear and simple. It, we <laughs> can't just paint with a broad brush that a pandemic has caused these materials to spike because they were well on their way to getting expensive in 2018. But Ruben, did you have any idea that there was a tariff on lumber, soft lumber coming in from Canada? No idea, Bill. You didn't. What's you didn't, a tariff? So okay. apparently back in 2018, the US put a tariff on softwood from Canada at 20%. That's been running since 2018, but now it just got turned down to half of that. So they backed it off by 50%, I think 9% tariff now. So that wasn't helping the situation. Is that where the United States gets most of its like soft lumber, like Douglas fir and pine and everything from? Is it from Canada? I would say it's a combination of the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. Right. I mean, what do you call soft pine? Do you consider fir soft pine? I guess so. I mean, I had to take, this is ridiculous. I had to take a wood biology class in college as part Mm -hmm. of my (laughs) building science degree. So I should know this, but I I think of like hardwoods as being like maple, walnut, all that stuff. And softwoods is being like Douglas fir and it doesn't have something to do with whether it's a deciduous tree or not Tess so possibly okay. <laughs> I don't remember right. Tess didn't didn't pay tree. attention in class I, I passed it but man I do not remember that was years ago but you know so conifer which doesn't have you know leaves that it sheds every year I believe like all conifers are are softwoods and then the deciduous trees like you just said Ruben would be hard hardwood yeah, so that might I'm, be right. Yeah. The Google machine is telling me that the wood from a conifer, such as a, uh, a pine, fir, or spruce, mm-hmm. as distinguished from
from that of a broadleafed tree. Yeah. So yes. I, okay. I think that's the difference there. Okay. Here we go. So we so go. pine, spruce, hemlock, all of that. Yeah. Western number two. Let's just get. Do you remember that, Ruben, back in your lumber days when you had number two SPF? Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spruce pine fir. I think that's the material that we're talking about here. Yeah. yeah. So okay. It's way high. There's capacity issues at mills. There's logistics issues getting the material here. There's tariffs issues. There's all kinds of problems in the, the system. But when I asked the guy at the lumber yard, he was like, well, do you just wait, try to wait this out? Good luck. It could be years that we're dealing mm-hmm. with this. And I just feel like you bite the bullet and, you know, thank my lucky stars. It's a small building and it's not a large building. So whatever these increases are, we can absorb it. Man, Bill, you're making me feel guilty. I got to replace the guardrails on my deck or guards as I should more technically call them. I got to replace those because they're severely rotted. I think we already talked about this in a past podcast. And I was thinking about putting it off just because materials are so expensive right now but now here you are saying well i'm not even going to put off building my cabin and here i am being a cheapskate like maybe i'm going to put off my guards <laughs> maybe i can bite the bullet and <laughs> suck it up <laughs> we shouldn't wait ruben safety first you're right it's degrees of expensiveness and if we were putting up a six thousand square foot thing that needed to be finished with tongue and groove all on the inside i would absolutely be tabling this but we're like sub 1000 square feet mm-hmm. so not a big building and when you're near the international border i figured a smaller building would just be more energy efficient anyway mm-hmm. and you're only there for a short amount of time so. so does this push back your timeline then, Bill, for construction with all the, the weight on materials? I don't think it pushes back the timeline. It just slows the whole entire process down. Mm-hmm. And the move-in date's certainly going to be different. Mm-hmm. And probably the condition of the inside when we actually move in would be different as well. I mean, yeah, we might end up being happy with insulation in the walls and poly up in a nice tight building while we, for some value out there, if, it, mm-hmm. if there were tongue and groove. Like I want to use reclaim material. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we can uh, reclaim materials, not inexpensive either, but maybe it's more in, on par with what this new material is costing. Yeah. Did I ever tell you we've actually got our bathrooms and our kitchen, everything, all of our appliances are all there and we've reclaimed everything that we're putting in there. hundred year old cast iron bathtubs. No. Where are you storing all that stuff? Well, there's a variety of buildings on this property. Half of them are barely up and any lean I can find that keeps the weather off of these products. I just put these products underneath like one of the sheds. So you've been collecting like cast iron bathtubs that are 100 years old and stuff like throughout the years? Yeah, my friend Charlie and I last fall made a great adventure to pick up a, well, first I went and got a a cast iron tub west of town, grabbed my nephew and the two of us went out there and threw it in my truck. That was no joke. (laughs) Then my friend Charlie and I decided, well, I found one in Western Wisconsin. So we left the Twin Cities one morning and went over somewhere near Spooner, Wisconsin, and then grabbed the bathtub and then drove up, up to the falls, international falls to deposit this in the garage. Oh my gosh. So we're into, we had two new old bathtubs for exactly $40. So were those Craigslist vines? Yeah. There's always somebody giving something away. And my wife tracked down some wonderful old enameled sinks that you would see like in an old, possibly bathroom in a school or maybe a locker room Mm -hmm. that these little 18 inch sinks. So we're using those where they have a, a hot, and a cold, there's no blend in it. You just yeah. each each one. So those are going to be what the bathroom fixtures are. Really old school, but what the heck? Things are expensive. And you're, and you're doing yeah. this on purpose. You want that bill? Absolutely. 
I this hate is the idea of that. There's no comfort in the water. You either you, stick your hand under a scalding hot spout or a cold spout. You know, and that with modern plumbing, we can fix that. So that's what we're going to do. Tell me how. I need to know. Now we're back to home inspections. So I like this. <laughs> what do you tell people who have a clawfoot bathtub in their beautiful old hundred year old house that has separate hots and colds? Well, maybe we're talking about two different things, Bill, because you have plenty of two-handle faucets that you can even buy today. There's a hot handle and a cold handle. That Mm -hmm. exists today. That's fine. I got no beef with those. What I'm envisioning is where you've got two spouts. You've got a hot water spout and a cold water spout. Is that what you're describing? Yeah, but what if we put one of those fancy little tempering devices on the water heater way back at the water heater? So if I turn on hot, the hottest it's ever going to deliver is like 120 degrees. I'm assuming it's already only going to come out at 120 degrees. And I don't like that. Like, Wait, like that's, that's not too comfortable. Hot? I mean, maybe on a bathtub where you just fill it and you're done. Maybe it's not that big of a deal, I guess. Yeah, the but, bathtub's going to have a single spout. To see, so, you know. Okay, so I'm thinking of hand washing. Yes. Like if you want to wash your hands with warm water, the only way I can think of doing that is to stop her the sink and fill the sink up with some hot and some cold water and then stick your hands in there like your hands are taking a bath. That's the only (laughs) way I can make sure this happening, Bill. So, okay, well, and that's what I tell people buying these. I'm like, wonderful. I'm glad you like this, but just be aware this is your limitation unless you decide you're going to replace your faucet someday. I mean, I don't tell them to do anything. I just let them know this is what you're getting. Yeah, no, that's what we're getting. We're getting hot water on one side. But but uh, you're doing it on purpose. That's correct. <laughs> okay. That's correct. All right. I'm not going to get over this, Bill. Well, <laughs> then you'll just have to wash your hands in the kitchen sink if you come up to the cabin. I don't know what to tell do, you. Does Does Jody know this is what you're doing? This is her idea. This is not my idea. It's, this is her idea. <laughs> Has okay. she suffered through only having a hot option or a cold option in a sink before? <laughs> yes. She's suffered many a, a night with far greater limitations than this. Um, okay. She's just happy that there's hot water up there. And I get that. A cabin with hot water is a luxury. Yeah. It's going to be awesome, man. Uh, I'm still going to have to talk to her about this. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like you've explained this adequately, Bill. Oh, I've told you what we have and you understand it. So I okay. All right. I think, but what we have done is we've reclaimed and we're keeping something out of the landfill. So it's kind of cool. It's my little mm-hmm. up nod to trying to do something good here. Well, I'm going to um, see what it looks like when you guys are done. I'm going to see pictures. Yeah. Well, you can visit if you want. And the thing is, I don't intend to spend a lot of time inside this building anyway, because there's a lake right there that goes on for a long way. So mm. uh, yeah. I plan to devote more time to other activities and laying my head down on a pillow somewhere inside. It's great. Are you going to go ice fishing in the winter? Are you going to go up there to do ice fishing? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. Sweet. Four seasons of fun. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Even if spring is three days and and fall is two days. So... Have you gotten a new uh, ice fishing tent? No, we haven't ever talked about that. I had a very unfortunate occurrence. I live in the sustainable urban core and people who know that know that there sometimes is a little extra theft. There's there's (laughs) crime in the city that doesn't always happen farthest from the tallest buildings. And unfortunately, somebody took my ice fishing tent, my clam hub out of the back of my truck when I was at the grocery store one day. And I walked oh, out with broad my daylight, right? In broad daylight. Yes. Oh broad gosh. daylight. 
took it out of the back of his truck while he's at a grocery store. That's stole terrible. his ice fishing tent. Yeah. That's such a Minnesota story. Oh, That's gosh. kicking a person that when a, they're down, right? That was I, a nice tent too, Bill. That was yeah. a really nice tent. Describe what that tent was like because we got to use it this winter yeah. on a leadership retreat we did. Yeah. So it pops up. It's like a five or six sided thing that, that pops out. You know, it's eight feet tall and I think nine feet across. There was, there was a good amount of space inside. You could fish four or five people in there pretty comfortably once you had the heaters going and real thick sidewalls. I mean, you could sleep in that and be plenty warm, but I don't know. It turned out to be somebody's rent check. I think I, I'm sure they went, oh. took this right to a pawn shop, got whatever, 100, 150, 200 bucks for it. And they, they probably put that money to, either well i'm hoping they put it towards rent that's that makes me feel better i hope it wasn't drugs or alcohol or whatever yeah. it might but did the grocery store parking lot have security camera footage they could get? yeah we talked about it there was actually a police officer in the grocery store when this happened so oh. <laughs> I, until this happened i would have told you never in the history of the world has someone stolen an ice fishing tent out of a grocery store parking lot like it, yeah no but it did happen. It happened. Wow. I'm living proof. I actually have oh the gosh. the note from St. Paul police right here with my incident number on it. They said they would call if they found it. <laughs> oh, they haven't called yet. No. Oh. It's long gone. It's long gone. So <sighs> such are the breaks. Yeah. Anyway, you've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. As always, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at structuretech1.com.